This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. From North State Public Radio in Northern California, I'm Jennifer Jewell. The impulse to garden is prismatic, right? A sustainable home garden can be about beauty, food, about connection to the land and nature, about health and community. Is the same impulse that draws people to cultivate their home gardens the same that draws them to or grounds them in farming? And when we say farm, what are the lines between small farms, family farms, and large farms, or even commodity-based agriculture? This week, we'll explore some of these questions with Lundberg Family Farms, a large and nationally successful family-owned farming business, which, along with other partner families across our region, grows just under 12,000 acres of specialty rice and other grains. They do this grounded in firm commitment to organic and sustainable, cooperative, collaborative, environmentally conscious farming practices. Recently, Matt Schultz, our producer, and I took a field trip to the headquarters of Lundberg Family Farms in Richvale, California. We spoke with Jessica Lundberg, the vice president of administration, a third-generation member of the Lundberg family to cultivate and steward this land and business. The point of this story for me is not that Lundberg is succeeding at farming from a spirit and understanding very similar to the same impulses that move a sustainable home gardener, but that if Lundberg can do it, they provide a strong model of possibility for all of us. Look at all the different varieties. So as we're standing right here, Jessica, and Sutter Buttes is directly south, Chico is directly north. Okay. No, this is the town of Richville, so this is a community. Uh, the, the, it's a rice-growing community, and there's many, many farmers that grow around here. And how many acres does Lundberg cultivate at this point? Uh, around the Richville area, the family farms about 5,000 acres. Uh, and then we do some farming uh, a little bit south of here. Uh, and that's another 1,000 acres or so, uh, you know, 1,000, 2,000 acres. But we contract with about 40 other families in the Sacramento Valley. And, uh, in fact, we've had some families that started growing with us in about 1978 and we still are partners uh, growing together since then and we really rely on that partnership because uh, there was a time when, when I mentioned we built the mill in 1969 uh, and it took us many many years it took us you know, another almost 10 years till 1978 before we were selling everything we were growing uh, but then there was a decision to be made do we buy more land or do we invest in this operation and building the brand and building production facilities? And we chose to invest in the brand and the production facilities and to expand that ability for others to grow, to help. Uh, because if you think about it, the more people growing, the more you're allowing people to grow sustainably on their own, right? <laughs> so not only could we grow with the methods uh, that we were using, but we could bring on others that had similar philosophies and just keep spreading uh, that good, right? Yeah. Spreading the ability for other people to have sustainable operations, for other people to be able to grow organically. The 20-minute drive from Chico, one of the nearest larger towns, to the rural community of Richvale is mind-clearingly scenic. Mountain ranges embrace the horizon to the east, west, and south. The fields of shimmering green rice stretch out generously and are interspersed with walnut and almond orchards. Farmsteads dot the landscape. According to the 2015 Sustainability Report from the Lundberg Family Farms, stewardship practices include no burning, composting of rice bio-waste back into the growing fields, cover crops, crop rotation, 
maintaining the rice fields and habitat corridors throughout their lands as chemical-free spaces for migratory species on the Pacific Flyway, and integrated pest and weed management. When we sat down to talk at length, my first question to Jessica had to be about what it was like to grow up here. Well, I think it was pretty special. <laughs> it's a uh... It's a little different from my brother, sister, and I, because we grew up in Chico, and we didn't grow up in Richville, so we kind of consider ourselves the city kids of the family, <laughs> which I guess is stretching it a little bit. But but uh, we, we used to come down uh, every weekend with Dad and during the summers, and it was really magical to be able to go out around the fields and, and grow up with this as part of just what we took for granted. And, I mean, I can remember uh, my dad had this extraordinary, extreme connection to farming and the fields and this passion for nature. It was really part of why he enjoyed what he did. It wasn't just about farming as a profession. It was part of who he was. And I remember driving around the fields and it was just part of our conversations to stop the car or the truck and pull out the Audubon book. And we start talking about what we're seeing on the way, or we start talking about the habitat that was next to the roads or the habitat that was out in the field. So it was always this idea that we're part of this, you know, environmental community that's around us. We're part of these creatures that are coming in and out of the fields where we're producing food. It was, it was really fun. It was really amazing, actually. Your grandfather was the, the man who moved here and founded this Lundberg family farm. Yeah, my grandmother and grandfather moved here in the 30s. Uh, the four brothers at the time were little boys, so they were uh, The four brothers being your father, being, being my one dad of them. and my uncles. Okay. Yeah, they, uh, my, uh, Albert and Francis had four boys when they moved from Nebraska, and I think Uncle Eldon was the oldest. I think he was right around 10 years old, and uh, Uncle Homer might have been around two. So four boys in that pretty uh, stretched out age range. Uh, so they grew up in this area, and they grew up uh, as people in, in this part of the valley were figuring out how to grow rice and, and how to make a new life, especially with that transition coming from the Midwest uh, with corn and cattle and a very different lifestyle coming out here to flooded agriculture with rice and these heavy clay soils that are really adapted to just that type of a rice culture. It's very, very different. Uh, so my grandfather and grandmother, uh, they established themselves here as farmers. and. Uh, my grandfather uh, especially passed on to his boys just the way that he approached farming and the way that he approached soil conservation. I think it's a, a, a common theme that you hear from folks that came from the Midwest out of the Dust Bowl is just that appreciation that they have for farming and for steward conservation uh, of the soil. And that was definitely something that impacted my grandfather. And so as my dad and his brothers grew up farming with him, it was always a, a key message for them. How are we making the soil better? How are we, uh, that, that phrase of leaving the land better than you found it. How are we not just taking from the land, but how are we putting back to the land? Because this land is sustaining us and we are responsible for the health of it. Uh, so then my, uh, my dad and his brothers started farming together. Uh, they actually started, they tried to farm as individuals, and they did, actually, they were quite successful. But what they found out was it's really hard to do that on your own, right? There's a lot of risks. Uh, so they uh, came together and they farmed as a group, as a, a partnership in the 1950s, and they found out that that was a much better situation for them. They could rely on each other, they could share the risks, they could share when things are really good as well. And then uh, in the 1960s, 
Uh, they had an opportunity where they had some folks who had moved to the area from the East Coast and brought with them a macrobiotics food business. And these, uh, these folks were looking for a way to keep their business going, and they are looking for farmers that would help work with them. Uh, so they had heard uh, that my dad and uncles did things a little different. They had a reputation, I guess you'd say. And uh, so these families approached them and said, would you mind, uh, would you try growing rice without chemicals? And that fit our philosophy. It also fit uh, the entrepreneurial spirit of my dad and my uncles. Uh, they also liked the idea of being able to grow rice and sell it here locally. So sell it to people who were gonna eat it close to where it was grown. So all those things really uh, got them excited about the opportunity to do something different. Uh, they built, in 1969, they built the smallest rice mill in California, and that allowed them uh, to mill the product they were growing, which was very different from what the rest of the industry was doing. Rice was a commodity, and when the grower uh, delivered it to the co-op, they really kind of released it, and they really didn't see it again. It wasn't a field-to-table type operation. It was very divided between the growers and the storage areas and then the millers. Uh, so for my dad and, and uncles to build the mill and to be able to really strength to create a relationship between the farmer and the people who are going to eat their product was uh, was not only unique but it, it was a uh, it was quite a challenge for them. So uh, my dad and uncles established the business that's now Lundberg Family Farms, but it was directly based on the farming practices that my grandmother and grandfather brought uh, and raised them with with the, the idea of conservation and stewardship of the soil. And are all four families still part of the Lundberg family farm? Uh, the four brothers that started Lundberg family farms, uh, all of them were involved. They consciously uh, moved the business to the next generation. They wanted it con to continue, and that's a philosophy of succession and that's part of stewardship right is to keep it going to make sure that it can that it can uh, continue uh, so we actually have now not only the third generation but the fourth generation involved and all four families are still involved and we're all still uh, in partnership in the business stewardship and agriculture and family cooperative work ethic are all clearly part of your dna was gardening a part of your growing up as well? Mine personally? Yeah. Oh boy, absolutely. <laughs> that was a big deal. <laughs> the, the connection of the grower to the food and to the person who's going to be eating the food I think is really important. I think you feel that uh, most keenly when you're growing it yourself with the home garden. Uh, so I think that, that yeah, absolutely this idea of having that connection to the people that you're selling it to is very similar to that feeling that you get when you're growing the food yourself in your backyard garden. Me personally, I grew up with a garden. We never didn't have a garden. My, my mother is an avid gardener of, of pretty much anything that grows. Uh, so I grew up really learning plant names and learning how different plants uh, what are their seasons and what's the best placement for them and kind of how you move things around, how you try things. Uh, I mean, as I guess it, I don't know if it's, uh, if it's something that was very common, but I thought it was common to get the seed catalogs and you get excited like it's Christmas and you go through it and decide what, you know, decide together what you're going to get to try in the garden for that spring. Or we go to plant shows or we go to on garden tours and just connect with other gardeners and talk to them about what they like to do and what works for them. I also learned that uh, 
that idea of experimentation, that that's a big part of learning uh, in the garden. And that's also a big part of being successful is being willing to fail. So planting something and having it not work, but understanding why. Uh, and then even being willing to dig something up and move it around and try it again. Uh, and what's interesting about that is, so that's, that's kind of how I grew up with that culture of a home garden and a backyard garden and try things and experiment things, but then also share with people what you're doing, right? Cut up your extra iris bulbs or iris rhizomes and give them to your neighbors and tell them what you learned about it or grow a few extra tomato plants and, and share them with your neighbors. Uh, that idea of sharing what you've learned and sharing the knowledge or sharing the seed or just sharing the fruits of your labor is just such an important part of building community. Uh, our seed nursery is is really pretty unique in the sense that we are a business that not only farms and stores and mills and produces product and sells directly to consumers, but we do our own research. And a lot of that is because uh, we grow 18 different varieties of rice and sell them. And some folks may say, well, 18 varieties of rice, what difference does that make? Well, most of California is uh, medium grain rice and there's about eight common varieties of medium grain. Uh, great varieties have been developed through uh, the, rice, uh, the rice experiment station, but those are all medium grain. And so those are commingled. Those are, uh, can all be combined because they all have similar characteristics. The varieties that we're growing are specialty rices. So they have uh, individual characteristics. Each one of those varieties is unique. It has a different uh, appearance, a different uh, flavor profile, a different aroma, a different texture, a different use. We're speaking with Jessica Lundberg, Vice President of Administration for the Lundberg Family Farms. We're talking about possible connections between the impulse of the sustainable home gardener and the impulse of sustainable agriculture of any size. We've just heard about the history of the Lundberg Family Farms and the specialty rices they cultivate, process, and sell across the country. After the break, we'll be back to hear more about the research, experimentation, and a new greenhouse facility they've just opened, and the lessons these mice hold for all of us. Stay with us. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, this is Cultivating Place, and I'm Jennifer Jewell. This week, we're talking with Jessica Lundberg, Vice President of Administration for the Lundberg Family Farms, and we're exploring the differences and similarities between agriculture and the home garden. Welcome back. 
So we finally get around to the real reason why I wanted to come and speak with Jessica and tour the facility, and that is my unashamed greenhouse envy. For the last year and then some, the Lundberg family farm headquarters has been building a shiny new greenhouse to take the place of two smaller old school greenhouses. I ask her about the new facility, what inspired it, and what her hopes are for it in terms of research and experimentation and growing. Uh, so we don't just work with rice. We work with uh, dry beans. We work with quinoa. We've been doing work out in the field with cover crops. Uh, <clears throat> having this new greenhouse will allow us to do more work in the off-season in the winter uh, that, that is reliable, that we can actually increase seed and get a good amount from it because we have a, a, you know, very even temperatures and uh, lighting controls and we have uh, screens for insect exclusion. So crops like the beans and the quinoa that are very sensitive to insects, especially in the greenhouse, that can be very challenging. Uh, we think that they'll be much more successful and we're running these greenhouses as organic greenhouses. So that's, uh, that's also a, a challenge in, in keeping the insects out and making sure that we have top-notch uh, research activities going on. As any greenhouse owner or home gardener with a greenhouse knows, if you think running a garden or farm organically is difficult, to run a greenhouse that way requires even more awareness and diligence. We headed out into the greenhouse itself where we were joined by J.P. Bergman, biologist and research specialist. We're getting seed ready. So all the crosses will be done here in the greenhouse and that's what's gonna be filling up all these tanks here. So we'll have four tanks full of parent plants and uh, probably two or three tanks full of crosses. So we're, we're kind of stepping it up in terms of being able to monitor all the variables that play into keeping an organic greenhouse since it's such a challenge. Uh, we don't use chemicals, pesticides, or herbicides in here. So we do everything we can to prevent anything uh, before it gets into the greenhouse. So. so as we're looking around, will you point out some of the features that you're the most excited about technologically in this greenhouse? Sure. Well, the first thing is the walls are made out of a, a double ply uh, called, what's it, what's it called again, uh, Jessica? It's called Triwall. Tri and uh, what that does is two things. It insulates the greenhouse more effectively than the corrugated plastic we had before and also diffuses the light so you don't have shadows and it's a much nicer uh, transmission of light in here. The other thing is um, these gigantic fiberglass tanks that we have, they're four feet by 28 feet and uh, they're, they're just providing a great environment for us to uh, propagate our rice and other than that we've got uh, high intensity lighting to supplement daylight during the winter time in here so we can grow year-round uh, we have a computer controlled environmental control system in here that um, it's going to give us a lot better control over the environmental condition and do you see the uh, the screen up there right now so it's it has a multifunction in the heat of the day, when the sun is very bright, it automatically closes, almost like a little pair of sunglasses, just to cut down that intensity and to, to moderate the temperatures in the greenhouse. <clears throat> but then at nighttime, when it starts cooling off outside, they can also automatically close and it creates another insulative barrier at the roof Nice uh, to keep that warmer air down in the greenhouse. Yeah. Well, one thing I'm pretty excited about is uh, we have two special tanks down there on the end which are deep water tanks. So the deep water tanks are gonna allow us to specifically research 
traits that help in organic rice farming because in organic rice we use water to control weeds and so those allow us those uh, deeper tanks down there are going to allow us to screen all our varieties against an, an, a more organic growing environment. Jessica spoke to us as well about the importance of sharing research results with other scientists and farmers. We also have a cooperation with other researchers at universities and private organizations uh, that will uh, transfer seed to us. And before we take any seed out to the field, we do grow it out for a generation in the greenhouse to make sure that it's disease free. So that will uh, expand our ability to do that. Talk about things, um, groups like the National Small Grains Collection, where we're bringing in seed uh, from a USDA facility like that. This is uh, free to our, the citizenry of the United States. This is for research. And we participate, so when we bring in that germplasm, uh, we agree that as we grow it out, that we'll also give them information back. And that's part of the cooperation, that uh, in order to maintain these gene banks, that we give them back information for our growing location and our site, so that we will send them, uh, for instance, uh, uh, the uh, plant characteristics, the growing uh, the growing habits, the maturity dates, uh, even descriptions of the seed. Uh, that, that's the type of information that's very useful for researchers, but also for farmers, if people are looking for very specific types of plants to grow in their areas. The issues of sustainability, stewardship, and succession, these are clearly values close to the heart of the success of the Lundberg family farms. We all know that farming, any gardening for that matter, requires some water. But rice growers are cultivating a water-grown crop in a part of the world that's enduring an epic drought. The question of how to use water sustainably and be a rice grower had to be asked. We are managing water uh, out in the fields with best practices from uh, our field conditions with our uh, leveling technologies. That's a very big and important piece of water management is how level the fields are and how well we can control the water moving across the field. So that the amount of water that you need to flood a space is very precisely... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that we can control it, it's very precise, and, and that's very important for us uh, in organic production for the health of the crop, because we are trying to kill out weed species. Uh, for rice, uh, early on in the season, we're drowning out certain weed species, and we need that water control to be very precise, because if we have areas where it's too deep or too shallow, we cannot uh, kill out those weed species, right? You're drowning rice in some areas, you're uh, promoting weeds in some areas if it's not exactly level across the field. Uh, and then at, uh, at other times in the season in organic production, we will take the water off of the fields and dry out aquatic weeds. Uh, but understanding the field conditions and making sure that you have things like the leveling being precise uh, and having varieties that are suited to the soil types and the area that you're growing are very important to having uh, agricultural production that that uses water to its best. After visiting the Lundberg family farms, Matt and I had one more question for Jessica, and we asked her to come back into the studio to talk about GMOs. So the Lundberg family is well known in our area for being strongly anti-GMO. How do you see that as being an important part of the values of the Lundberg family farms and sustainability and community and health? 
I think our stance against genetic modified organisms in agriculture and in our operation for food production ties in very directly with uh, how we see ourselves in the community and how we see ourselves producing healthy foods and being stewards of environmental resources. Uh, the, the whole concept of what we're trying to do, which is to tie together the genetic resources with the needs of people and balance that with how we're working with resources in the environment, really supports traditional breeding and supports being part of a system, right? Not, not this uh, selection in isolation and trying to control it, but more work with it. So what we're trying to do, as we talked about uh, with our greenhouse and our seed selection and, and our plant breeding, is use these traditional methods of observing as being part of, of the growing system and using that knowledge to make selection, to move things in the direction that would benefit the farm and would benefit the nutrition or the flavor or the, what the consumer is looking for, and not to try and so tightly control it in a way that, that you can't take advantage of, of the genetic resources that are available to us. Uh, so with GMOs, it's very much geared towards uh, selling a product and pushing farmers into uh, not having control of their own seed, not being able to make those selections for themselves, also pushing them into a growing system of having to use chemicals so that they are mandated into a specific way of, of in their interacting with the farming system that takes a lot of that kind of sensitivity to what's going on around you away. It, it's very prescriptive and not nearly as interactive as using uh, traditional methods. And so when we approach it, it's, it's, not just, it's not just a political stance. It's not just something to, to talk about. It's actually something that we live because it doesn't make sense for the way that we want to farm and the way that we want to raise food. Uh, because it is something that we feel like it's it's a great cooperative effort. It, it takes, it actually takes a lot of work, but it has so much satisfaction and there's so much uh, reward in it. And we know that it's something that benefits so many different parts of the system that it's it's quite rewarding. Jessica Lundberg, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. When Jessica describes the reasons behind her family's anti-GMO stance, I can't help but think back to her describing the drive out to the rice fields as a child with her father, their awareness of and appreciation for the bird life. I think about the cooperative, observational skills she learned in the home garden by her mother's side and the connection between the natural world, farmers, the food, soil, and the mentality that values principles of sustainability and succession. This is the system she sees organic family farms supporting and the lessons of the sustainable home garden as working supportive parts of a bigger system. It's a model worth learning from and emulating. Jessica Lundberg is the Vice President of Administration for Lundberg Family Farms and a third generation member of the Lundberg family to cultivate and steward the land that sustains the family farming business. 
Thank you so much for joining us. Next week, the conversations continue with Genevieve Arnold, Seed Program Manager for the Theodore Payne Foundation, a Los Angeles nonprofit organization dedicated to the understanding, preservation, and use of California native plants. Jenny joins us to talk geophytes, those super cool plants whose underground bulbs or tubers or rhizomes allow them to thrive in some of the world's harshest climates, like California's hot, dry summers. We'll dig into many of California's native bulbs, most of which have been enjoying a spectacular year of bloom. Join us. Cultivating Place is a co-production of North State Public Radio and JewelGarden.com. The program is produced by Matt Schiltz. Podcasts and audio archives for this week's program can be found at mynspr.org. Essays and photos can be found at JewelGarden.com. Follow along on Instagram and Facebook as well. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.